Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. We just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the gift of life that we woke up, we could breathe, and we could praise you, Lord. I pray, Lord, we were true to your word. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, our Master. Thank you. Today is a holiday for us here that gives us one more opportunity to come together in your name, O Lord to magnify your name, to glorify your name, and to magnify your word, Lord. As we look into your word, speak to us, Lord. Teach us, teach us, Lord, the very purpose of the ministry of the word, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. We come at this time, and all your children here and everywhere who are tuned in into thy hands, speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Turn first to Exodus 34, 5 and 6. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. When we look at these uh, this is a declaration of what God's name is. Okay, God has many names because um, to understand him, one of the principal ways in which we understand the nature and the character of God is by a personal study of the names of God. Okay, and if you look over here, you will see that uh, there's so many things mentioned over there. And the most important for us each day is his mercy. And his grace and his goodness and his long suffering and all these things, when we look at it, we ask this question Why is God all these things? There's another aspect of his name which is important. If you go to Revelation chapter 19 and you see Jesus coming and you see verse 9, this is how he is introduced to us. Oh, sorry, not 9, uh, 11, verse 11. Okay, 19, 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Okay? This is an aspect about God. Actually, the most important aspect, if you look at all the other aspects, towards us. Okay, towards us. Okay. Why is he all these things? Because he is faithful. Because he is faithful. We turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God. What God? The faithful God. Who keeps his covenant and mercy. Okay? He's merciful. He's gracious. But he is faithful. When he says something, I'll be merciful. He's very faithful to keep it. When he says, I'm a God of grace, he's very faithful to keep it. So in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, what are we actually banking on? What is What are we trusting? He says, if we are faithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He is still faithful. Okay, That's the nature of his character, that he's a God who is Faithful. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, where we are introduced to verse 22, 522. 
Okay, 5.22. Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Okay, it is not actually faith. It is actually faithfulness. Like I said, faith is a gift. Faithfulness is a fruit. And if you look at what the Bible, if you look at it, no, no. Now, a lot of children, when they learn this by heart and they say fruits, it is not fruits, it is fruit. Because if you, let us, the simple example is take an orange or take a, take a pomegranate, it would be better. Take a pomegranate and you take uh, each of those seeds. But, you know, the whole thing is a fruit. The whole thing is a fruit. The whole thing makes it complete. Okay, But you don't take the whole pomegranate and put it in your mouth. You take it one by one. Okay, So God's nature is like a pomegranate. Like a pomegranate. And every aspect means something and is important. And God wants all these aspects to become part of our nature. That's what transformation is. All whom he has chosen is conforming, transforming us into the image of his son. And one of his most important images is that he is faithful. That's why we are here. He's faithful. Not just that he's merciful. He's faithful to his aspect of mercy. He's faithful to his aspect of goodness. He's faithful to his aspect of kindness. He's faithful. Get this picture, okay? He's an extremely, extreme. I mean, it is, there is, there is no, no comparison to the faithfulness of God. There's no comparison. That's what the writer of the Proverbs who says, a faithful man who can find. Very difficult. None of us have been ever been faithful consistently all our life. It's impossible for man to be faithful. And so that is why it is called a fruit. You grow in your faithfulness. So if you look at the Middle East, and there is one tiny little nation over there called Israel. From the day God chose them in Egypt till today, they have been unfaithful. Okay, They have been an unfaithful nation. Still today, that nation exists against all odds because the God who chose them is faithful to them. Okay, so the existence of that nation is the faithfulness of God. The same is true about the church. The church always been unfaithful. But God has not dealt with us according to our unfaithfulness because he is faithful. So, now when you get into this concept about faithfulness, there is something which we need to understand. What we need to understand is so God expects us to be faithful. So the question you need to understand is who am I faithful to? Who am I faithful to? Look at, look at a couple of fundamental premises. We have looked at it in the days past, but let's look at it. When the Bible begins, how does it begin? should all know your beginning by now. How does it begin? In the beginning, God. Okay, In the beginning, God created everything. What does it mean? It means if you look at all of creation, there is only one honor. There is only one honor. There are no two honors. There is only one honor. Everything belongs to God. By simply virtue of being God and being the creator. Okay, Everything belongs to God. Even we belong to God, whether you accept it or not, we belong to God. 
and that is why all humans belong to God. So therefore, He is able to send someone to heaven and send someone to hell because He is. Nobody will say, "No, I belong to myself. I am not going to hell." You will be thrown into hell. Okay, simple principle of ownership. So, God is the honor. There is only one honor. Because first thing you need to understand is ownership has to be established. Ownership has to be established. Okay? The term connected with ownership in the Bible is the term Lord. You getting it? Now go to Exodus 34 and verse 6. Okay? The name of the Lord is being revealed. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed. What's the first thing he proclaimed? The Lord. The Lord. Not merciful, not gracious, not goodness. The first thing he proclaims is, this is who I am. The Lord. The honor, the creator and the honor of everything. The Lord, the Lord God. First Lordship, second, he is the Lord God of everything. That's the first thing that is established. He is the honor. He is the Lord. Okay? So this is the first thing we need to establish because if you don't know who to be faithful to, faithfulness just remains a virtue which can be used for evil. Why? Because one of the most important characteristics demanded in the mafia is you are faithful to the mafia boss. Otherwise they will kill you. You have to be 100% faithful. Okay. So faithfulness apart from God can be good or bad, depending upon how we use it. So please remember, all these virtues in eternity does not mean anything apart from God. It has to be attached to God. So the first thing you need to understand is God is the honor. So these are fundamental concepts. God is the honor. God is the creator. And therefore, God expects the creation to be faithful to him. Because God is faithful to creation. Because that's his nature. Then go to Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 to 7. Very important verses, 5 to 7, connected with this premise, and Hebrews 5, 7 after that. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What was that mind? Here. Who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus, the Son of God, was equal to the Father, meaning he too is the honor. Everything was created by him, for him, through him. So he is an honor. Along with the Father, he is co-honor. Okay? But what did he do? He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. So the honor became a servant. Okay? Honor became a servant. And you go to Hebrews 5, 7. Another aspect. Who in the uh, 5, uh, 8. Let us go to verse 8. 5, 8. Okay, 5. Though he was a so, the honor is a son and a servant. Okay? Get this picture true. This is the picture we need to get. What are we? Sons, daughters, and servants. You get this picture true, everything will start falling into place. My God is my father. My father is God. He is the honor and the creator of everything. 
And Jesus, who was an honor, along with the Father, showed us the way. The Son, He was a Son, and He was a servant. We are sons and daughters and servants. He is God, the Lord, and He is our Father. Get this picture together. Okay? So you take this son, if you, it's a mathematical equation, okay? If you take this son or a daughter, son plus servant, son, son of God, daughter of God, if you are, if you are with Christ, we are co-heirs with Christ. Ownership. We're coming to ownership later. God is going to give it to us. Okay? So we are a son of God or a daughter of God and we are a servant of God. Okay? Son plus servant. Go to First Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So son plus servant is equal to steward. What are we? Stewards. We are stewards of the life God has given us. Get this picture. And what is required from stewards? We are stewards. We are not honors. Honor is God. Honor is God. God owns everything. Okay? God owns me. God owns you. God owns every breath. Everything we are, what we have, everything belongs to God. God is the honor. And what are we? Sons and daughters and servants. And sons and servants become what? Stewards. Ultimately, what when you stand before God, we are going to give him an account of our stewardship. Because he is the honor. If I am an honor, I don't have to give accounts. But if I am a steward, I have to give accounts. Okay? So get this picture. What are we? We are stewards. Now go to Hebrews 3, 1 and 2, and then 5 and 6. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. What is the heavenly calling? To be sons and daughters and servants of God and to be stewards of his mysteries. Okay? Consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. What was he? Who was faithful to him, who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his eyes. Okay? He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses. Do comparison. Old Testament Moses, New Testament Jesus. Now go to verses 5 and 7 of the same chapter. 5 and 6. Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things that would be spoken afterward. But Christ was faithful as a son. Okay, So two pictures are brought in over there. Okay, Old Testament is shadow. New Testament is substance. Moses was faithful as a servant. Jesus was faithful as a son. Okay, so God is expecting us a level of faithfulness higher than that of Moses. Higher than that of a Moses. Okay, as that of a servant and as that of a son. Okay, do you remember there was an issue with uh, Moses' eldest sister, Miriam and Aaron, turning against against uh, Moses? In Numbers 12 and verse 7, God doesn't look at age, pedigree, nothing. When he comes and intervenes, this is what he said. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Okay. 
faithful in my history. How dare you speak against him? I know you are all older than him. The king order in the family, you are all much older than him. But I am not looking at any of those things. In my entire house of Israel, he is the most faithful. How dare you? Like I told you last time, advantages of loving God. There are many advantages of, for those who love God. Okay. Now we are looking at advantage of being faithful. Faithful. When you are faithful, when you are considered faithful, and when you face opposition in life, even from within your own ranks, who stands up for you? God stands up for you. God stands up for you. Okay? Because faithfulness is a fruit of God. It's the very nature of God. God. And we have to grow in it. And God looks for it. He says he is faithful in all my house. And his God is always, it is interesting that this morning I had a call from another city asking for counsel from somebody who was asking me. I have two employees. And I can only promote one. One is new. He's good in his work. He's very talented. The second one has been there for years together. Not as talented as the other, but he's absolutely loyal and faithful. So whom do I promote? And I was preparing this and I said, you promote the faithful one. Promote the faithful one. Why? Because you have to look long term in terms of this company. Is the faithful one going to stay? Yes, he's going to stay. The talented one may be very good for the company, may bring in profits for two months and then after that quit and go to another company. You have to think as a boss. Okay? Think as a boss, like simple. Why are we in this building for 12 years? Right? And the rents are like, compared to all other things, our rents are like crazy. We don't pay like others pay. And the landlord doesn't want us to move to why? Because he's looking and saying, these are faithful tenants. Faithful tenants. Okay? People don't understand how the kingdom works. Let me say, okay? Next door, there is another house. You rent it out. You say, okay, I don't, I, I'm going to raise the rent. Okay? I'm raising it double. I'll make more money. That guy, new guy comes and takes it. He stays there for two months and then he moves out. He has to put a placard outside again for rent, to let. Four months it is vacant because he wants that rent. Everybody comes, no, I will not give it for that. Four months rent is gone. gone. Then one fellow comes and says, okay, I will take it. But he says, the house is clean, dirty. I want you to paint it all over again. Are you getting the picture? On the other hand, next door, another man has been living for 10 years. He doesn't have to worry about rent. He doesn't have to worry about painting. He doesn't have to worry about maintenance, everything. And one thing that is happening is that this man is loyal. Your rent you getting may be a little lesser. But in the long run, it is more profitable. Profitable. Okay. So God is ultimately not looking for talented people. Gifted people. You can just give it just like that if God wants to give gifts. He's looking for this one characteristic of the spirit which is called, are you faithful? Are you faithful? Miriam could sing. Aaron could speak eloquently. Moses stuttered. But Moses was the one God used. You know why? Moses was faithful. Aaron was not faithful. A talented man was not faithful. 
get these pictures. Get these pictures through because these are connected with the kingdom of God. This is connected with the character of God. This is connected with transformation. What is God looking for in you and me? What is he looking for? What does he? Because he's looking. He says, you know what? In my house, not my servant Moses. He says, he is faithful in all. He says, you pick 600,000 men here in Israel. He says, he is the faithful one. He is the faithful one. Okay? He is the faithful one. We need gifts. But gifts without this fruit of the Holy Spirit will not last. It will not last. And that's what God is talking about. Okay? In First Samuel chapter 2 and verse 35, when he uses a young boy called Samuel, who is an extremely faithful young boy. Extremely faithful young boy. Okay? And he is speaking through this young boy. I don't know how old he was, 9 or 10 years old. He's speaking an indictment on the high priest. And the whole of Eli's household. He says, you know what? I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. Who shall do according to what is in my heart. In my mind. And I will build him a sure house. And he shall walk before my anointed forever. What is he looking for? A priest who is faithful. And do you know who that priest was? It is not Samuel. He's talking about David. He's talking about David. So if you look at David, Samuel and David, what is characteristic common about both of them? Both of them are faithful to God. Okay. And one priest is abolished and God will say, you know what, I will find a man who will be faithful and then on his throne will come and sit my son whose name is Faithful and True. Okay. Get this pictures very, very clear. Okay, very, very, very clear. Okay, turn to Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 and 30. Then 36, 37. Now behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed the Lord and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Okay, You need to realize, Jesus was revealed only to three people. Simeon, Anna, and John the Baptist. Only three people. And if you look at all these three people, you know there's one fundamental common characteristic. They were all faithful to the revelation they had received. We don't know when Simeon received it. How many years will you hang in holding faithful to that one thing? Waiting, faithful, waiting. He says he was waiting. Waiting is a whole different ball game. God has told you something. How long can you wait and be faithful doing the things? It's very mundane. Religion can be religious works or the works of God can be very boring after some time. Because you have to do the same things over and over and over again while waiting for something. While waiting for something. And the Bible says Simeon was. He had no clue. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 20 years in the temple doing. But he's waiting for something. And you know what held him? He was faithful. 
was faithful. And God is faithful. And Simeon is faithful. And at that appointed time when he came, it did not matter where he was. Because he was not in the temple, he was outside the temple. But because he was faithful, the Spirit of God rushed him into the temple and he came at the right moment and he is able to see and is ready to go. Meaning, you have finished your purpose on earth. You have completed your race. You will get your crown because you have remained faithful to that revelation you received all the days of your life. Another person in the next two verses, 36 and 37, even more difficult situation because she is a woman. Okay, There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. She was of great age. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. 84-year-old widow. Widow for many after seven years of marriage, her husband died. So she's been a widow for probably 70 plus years. And what is she? Who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Can you do that for 70 years? Seventy years. Simply faithful to what she could do. She was not allowed to do anything that priests could do in the temple. She's not allowed to do anything there because women are not allowed to be part of the Levitical priesthood. They don't do any of those things. What could she do? Fast and what she did do? She fasted and prayed. Or for what? For all for the coming of Jesus Christ. We all have this hope. The Messiah will come. And she was there preparing the ground. And she's absolutely faithful to that one thing. And you know what? Christ is revealed to her. Okay? Because why I'm saying this is this. for us who are in the kingdom of God, exaltation or lifting up does not come from east or west. Does not come from the God may use a hand of man but it is not man who really raises up up it is God who raises up through man but God raises up because he finds we are faithful faithful look at the other third person Luke 1 and verse 18 so the child grew and became strong in the spirit and was in the deserts Till the day of his manifestation to Israel. You know what Jesus talks about this man? He says of all the prophets in the Bible. This was the greatest. The greatest of the prophets in the Bible. Stood, stayed hidden in the desert. Faithful to what he has been called for 30 years until he was revealed. Eating locusts and honey. Pastor Vijay said, no, God made that one condition. You can eat locusts for this man who will remain faithful. And he's the greatest. Can you wait 80 years to be revealed by God? So not 80 years, sorry, 20, 30 years? 30 years. And this is not an ordinary man. This is a man who was filled with the Holy Ghost in his mother's womb. So he's not waiting for impartation. He's not waiting for power. He's not waiting for giftings. He's not waiting, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb and waited 30 years and remained faithful to what God had told him. Okay? Three people to whom Christ is revealed. And if you look at common thing about among other things, one thing is that, you know what you see is they are faithful. Faithful. Okay? So the fundamental issue is that we need to realize, one, 
who is my honor who is my god who is my honor once ownership is established the next thing to start working out is faithfulness to the honor the lord the lord god lord teach me help me on a daily basis to be faithful to god because we talk about god's mercy we do not realize god's mercy we go to psalm 130 sorry 36 and verse 5 36 and verse 5 then 89 psalm 89 your mercy o lord is in the heavens your faithfulness reaches to the clouds why are we able to experience his mercy because he is faithful because he is faithful okay if his mercy and his faithfulness do not go together we will not receive his mercy he is merciful but he is also faithful go to psalm 89 we'll read verse 1 i will sing of what the mercies of the lord forever with my mouth will i make known your faithfulness to all generation your mercy and your faithfulness in verse 2 for i have said mercy shall be built up forever and your faithfulness you shall establish it in the very heavens they go together they go together they go together because you can be a very merciful person but you are not we are not faithful to what you have said you are not faithful to your promises you are not faithful okay but god is faithful to what he has said therefore all the aspects of his character flows into our lives because of his faithfulness if you turn to i mean the whole of you will see many verses in 89 today go and check psalm 89 we we'll look at one more verse 5 okay you have in verse 8 24 33 37 everything the heavens will praise your wonders o lord your faithfulness also in the assembly of saints faithfulness of god go to lamentation if you feel hot over there put that ac on okay lamentation chapter 3 verses 22 not the fan because it makes a sound 22 and 23 through the lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not why they are new every morning great is your Just imagine this morning, none of your alarms worked, and the sun did not rise. <laughs> I mean, alarm works, sun rises, people still don't wake up. <laughs> Why? Because alarm is faithful to the owner. Set it. Sun is faithful to the creator. We are unfaithful to both. <laughs> Today is holiday. What has that got to do with faithfulness? What has that got to do with faithfulness? Are you getting the picture? Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness every morning. God is faithful to show us His mercy every morning. It's just like the sun rising up in the morning. His mercy rises up over our lives every morning. Reason why? Because He is 
faithful. Psalm 101 verse 6, I think. Not very sure. 101 verse 6. Mm. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with. With me. You know, presidents, prime ministers, they all have their, their what do you call it? Many rings of security. You know the closest ring? How they are vetted? You know what they are vetted for? Not their skills, which can be trained. It's for loyalty. Loyalty. But most important, because at the technical skills, like our Prime Minister, you have called what is called NSG. Right? There are hundreds of them. Literally thousands of them. So, technical skills, there will be many who are good, excellent. But to the closest ring is what is what is important? Loyalty. Who is faithful? Who will be faithful to me? And that's what. My eyes are on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He walks in a perfect way. He shall serve me. God says, you know what? My close ring are who? Are those who are faithful. Will you be faithful? Because why you know these things are going to be important in eternity? Because on the mountain I saw the Lamb and one forty-four thousand, and wherever He went, they followed Him. Why? What was the characteristic? They were faithful to Him on earth. They were faithful to Him on earth. Therefore, God will say, "You shall dwell with me. Wherever I go, you can come with me, because you have found faithful." Okay, faithful. When Isaiah talks about Jesus Christ in Isaiah chapter 11, and he talks about the manifold spirit upon him, in verse 5, this is what he says about Jesus. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Okay, this is your belt, no? If your belt is loose, right? Belt is loose, you are. <laughs> you are a miserable person, right? One hand will be always holding this up, like our little children run, you know, holding one side up. What is the belt of his waist? It is faithfulness. He is faithful. God is faithful. And Isaiah 126 we are talking about is restoration. I will restore your judges as at the first. Your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. At the end, what will the church be called? Israel also be called the faithful city. So now we got the concept about faithfulness. Very clear. Now let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. We'll read from verse by verse, verse 14. 25 verse 40. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So there is a man who's got servants. Here three servants will be mentioned. Three servants. And he, what did he do? He delivered his goods to them. In verse 15. To one he gave five talents. To another two. To another one, to each according to his own ability. Okay? The honor 
knows the ability of his servants. We may think we are very able, but he is the one who actually knows our ability. What we can do, what we cannot do, how much pressure we can handle, how much load we can handle. He knows our spiritual capacity. Right? If you were there on Friday, we said about the house that is built on the rock and the house that is built on the sand. And the thing was that he dug deep until he reached the rock. If you look at any building, there are two things about a building. The height of the building and the amount of weight the people, the load the building can carry is dependent upon the foundation. Are you getting the picture? So God, as a person, has the honor, has our creator, knows all of us. He knows our spiritual foundations. He knows how much pressure we can handle. He knows exactly. And accordingly, he gives us work to do. He knows everyone. This one will break under this much pressure. Okay? Being at pressure. Like when we wanted to do the baptism, the first thing I thought about, let's it have it under roof. And I said, it's not a good idea. Okay? Because the thing is that I cannot do mathematics. Because when you do this thing, you have to think about the size of the tank, whether the pool was big, the amount of water, how much pressure per inch, all these things. When submarines are made, it is made that way because the pressure as you go down is intense. So it has to be made that it doesn't crumble under that pressure and people die. Okay? So God knows our ability. God knows our ability. And because our foundation may be very, very shallow, he does not give us much responsibility. And we get so upset and God says, I'm trying to protect you. Because if I were to give it to you, in two weeks you would crumble under the pressure and create a mess. Okay? So it is not that God cannot give it to us. We have to realize our foundations are very weak. We need to strengthen our spiritual foundations. Okay? Our prayer life and our word life are spiritual foundations. The disciples had learned so much from Jesus, but one thing they did not have, they had no prayer life. So Jesus even tells Peter, Peter, I have prayed for you. Satan has asked permission to sift you. You will fail. You will fail. Why? Even in Garden of Gethsemane, what did he ask him? Stay up and pray with me for one hour. And they all fell asleep. Okay? Your prayer life is so weak, you cannot handle pressure because pressure is handled in the prayer closet. And you have no prayer life. Peter, Thomas, John, James, all of you have no. And all of them ran away. But when you begin post-ascension of Jesus Christ, their life is beginning in prayer. Power comes. Later when issues are there in the church, they will say, we will not handle it. We have given ourselves continuously to prayer and to the word of God. They understood. Pressure is coming and there are ways in which we can handle. So they realize this. We need to be faithful to these two pillars if we need to be used by God all the days of our life. Faithful to prayer and faithful to the word of God. Okay? So here is a man. He's got three servants. He gave them his goods, not their goods. His goods according to their ability and immediately he went on a journey. Meaning, he's not there. It is not that he's in the, that is, that, that words don't miss it out. Immediately he went on a journey because if he is there, everybody is faithful. The problem is he is not there. In his absence, what will they do? 
in his absence, what will he do? Verse 16 to 17. Okay. He who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one and went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. He was upset with the judgment of the honor. Because he thought he was better than what his honor thought about him. But the honor knew it well. This guy cannot be. So at the end of the story, you will see, he did not even deserve one. In his mercy, he was given one. It's not even grace, it's mercy. So he, he could not even use mercy, forget grace. Okay? Now comes verse 19. Oh, let's look at verse 18. He had received one and dug in the ground and hid his? His? Oh, so he was not an honor. He was just not a businessman. He was the Lord. So it is not a businessman who hired three people. No. They were his slaves. He owned them. He was the Lord. So the problem is, the third one did not understand the concept about ownership. Doesn't matter what I feel about. I don't even have the right to my own feelings. He owns my feelings too. Think about yourself as a servant of God or a child of God that way. I don't even have the autonomy of my own feelings. He owns my feelings too. I don't feel like waking up today. But I don't own my feelings. He bought me on the cross. I was his by virtue of creation and I am his by virtue of redemption. He owns me. He owns me. If you have any idea what ownership of your feelings is, join the army. Everybody is up. In a second, they know who owns them. I used to have this ministry in the army. One of the fantastic ministries I used to have was on a Sunday evening at the core headquarters where we go into the dining hall, this all Tamil and Javans or believers, they will bring this bed sheet, put it on the table and we all sit around. Okay. And they will be in their uniforms. What if we thought their cap and their gun will be on one side and I will be preaching to them. And then suddenly, almost finished, there will be a whistle. Meaning you are needed. The next thing you know, the belt is strapped, the gun is put. Praise the Lord, Pastor. They're gone like that. Here you haven't even said benediction. They're gone. In a second they're gone because they know who owns them. Who owns them? Okay. That is why when you join the army, you have been given over. One thing is written over there. Okay? Like our young lady, Hepsi, I had to sign for her NCC thing. And you know one of the listing which I signed says that during training, if anything happens to you, you will not be, we will not be liable. That is for NCC. For which you get no remuneration, no money for that. You have to sign that if you die during training, you will not sue the government of India. And you are getting nothing in return. If you manage to cross some levels, you get a C certificate. That is all. And in the kingdom of God, we believe we own everything. The realizing, understanding, the 
ownership of God. That's what, you know. He hid his Lord's money. And verse 19 says, after a long time. Long time. He didn't come immediately. See, if he comes every day to check on your faithfulness, every day, everybody is faithful. The Bible says he didn't come. For a long time he didn't come. That is the problem. The problem is here, right? I wish God came every day, then I would be faithful. God said, that's not how it works. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. See, that is our problem, right? Long time. The previous parable, just before this in 24 and verse 5, Jesus is using all these parables to look at what he is looking for. For, uh, no, same, same. 25, 5, not 24, sorry, 25, 5. While the bridegroom delayed. Again, long time. He delayed. What was the problem? Where, where they were all virgins? Yes. But five were not faithful to see that they had the anointing running. They were unfaithful in one thing. See, it is a delay that caused all the problem. But it is delay or long time that actually tests your faithfulness. We don't know when Simeon got the prophecy. We don't know where Anna, how long she waited. But the fact is that they waited and they waited and they waited and they were absolutely faithful to that one thing that was demanded of them by God. John the Baptist was faithful all those years, waiting in the desert, waiting, 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 waiting for the word of the Lord to come, bypassing the kings and the emperors and the high priest, everything the Bible says. The word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness. As soon as he came, he's revealed, he's out. But he's waiting. And he's faithful. He's faithful. That's not a question. The issue here is issue of time. And we are all caught in this God, God time. And the time puts pressure on us whether we will be faithful or not. Right? That's how Saul's downfall is beginning. Right? He's a king. He's not a priest. And when Samuel delayed, he was not faithful to what was written. He said, I will offer the sacrifice. And God said, you are not faithful to what was told. That's not your job. That's the priest's job. Okay? So when this delay comes, time comes, you know, what is being tested is our faithfulness. Will you still be faithful to the one who saved you? Will you be still faithful to the one who called you? Will you be still faithful and remain faithful and keep going back? When you have fallen, Lord have mercy on me. I want to continue being faithful. That's David. Went back and continued being faithful and finished faithful. And finally God says, this is the person I said. He will do everything that I have told him to do. You know one thing God found in David? He was faithful. He was faithful. He was faithful. These are important things which God looks for us. And am I going to be faithful till the end? But the pressure is going to be intense in the last days. And the whole pressure is to be unfaithful to God. Faithful. Faithful. And the whole issue is here. To the question of lordship. After a long time, who came? The Lord came. The Lord came. After a long, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith and faithfulness once? A few faithful men. Will he find still people waiting, still hanging in over there? 
That's a question. So this question of lordship has to be resolved first. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, okay, and ultimately what cut their heart? In 2.36, this is what he says. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, absolutely sure, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, Christ. Did he say that? What did he say? Both first what? See, if he's only a savior and he's not Lord, I still have room to negotiate. You are my savior. No, please save us. Now we are on equal footing. But he's Lord. The problem is the one you crucified has now risen, has become Lord. Now, how do you negotiate with Lordship? That is when they realize the one whom they crucified is both Lord and Savior. There is no Savior apart from Him. And the Savior happens to be the Lord. They said, what shall we do? We are finished. What shall we do? See, we have to come in terms with this question of Lordship. And most people, I'm telling you, most people, their struggle is with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because if you cannot be Lord, you do not know who your Lord is, you will not be faithful. Because faithfulness is always towards a person and what he has said. A person and what he has said. Okay, person and what he has said. If you look at, in the book of Genesis, if you look at a man who's exalted most, a man who's, to whose life story much pages are given, you know what? If you turn to chapter 39 and verse 9, he's in Potiphar's palace, right? What does he say? There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you. But because you are his wife, how can, can I do this great wickedness and sin against? Now who he brought? The Hebrew, only Hebrew boy in Egyptian household who is a slave brings God over there. He says, he's my Lord. He knew who owned him. He knew who owned him. He knew who his Lord was. And that's why it is written, the Lord was with him. Because he knew who his Lord was. If you do not know who your Lord is, how can he be with you? So as a slave in Potiphar's house, he knew who his Lord was. He says, my God, that's my own. You have bought, you have bought me on the slave block. But I ultimately belong to him. So if there is a conflict between what you are saying and what he has said, I'll go with him. And if you have to die in the process, it's fine. Go to chapter 40 and verse 8. This is in the prison. And there are two people over there, okay? And he looked at them and said, why are you looking so upset today? And they said to him, we each have a dream and there is no interpreter here. So Joseph said to them, do not interpretation belong to? Now he's in prison. And the lordship of his God still doesn't change. He doesn't say, doesn't interpretation belong to gifted people like me? doesn't say that. doesn't say that. He says, you know what? So in the prison, whom does he bring? He brings God. Chapter 41. He's brought before the Pharaoh. And verse 16. So Jesus answered Pharaoh and saying, it is not in me. God, you know, four times he mentions his God to the Pharaoh. 
in his entire little conversation before the Pharaoh. You know who he brings four times? All four times he brings God. He knew who his honor was. The first fundamental issue we have to face is we have to deal with this issue of ownership. Who is my honor? Who owns me? Who owns me? Because we are living in a world that's always talking about and fighting for what? Rights. Because they think they own. What is the slogans all over US? My body, my choice. Ownership. You don't own your body. He owns your body. My body, my choice. I will choose my career. So you you are you are you are owner of your life. You go before God and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's what the first thing Paul sees Jesus. He goes on his knees and he's accepting ownership. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Ownership. What do you want me to do? Okay. We have to settle this question because if we don't settle the question of ownership, we may think we are faithful, but we are not faithful. To whom are we faithful? To what are we faithful? Because ultimately faithfulness will matter primarily in the kingdom of God. Faithfulness will matter. Well done, my good and faithful servant. We don't understand. We may not understand how important it is until we stand before God and realize this was one of the criteria for judging. For eternal rewards. Forever and ever. Faithful. Right? That's what Matthew 25, 21. First guy, second guy. All what is that he said? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were, see, the word that is repeated over there is not good or well done. What is repeated is faithful. Faithful. You know why? Because there may be another person in your company who may be able to do it better than you, but he may not be as faithful as you. Are you getting? Well done is more connected with giftings, talents, experience and all. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's the very nature of God. We should do it well. Be excellent in what is good. Yes. But faithfulness is a different ballgame altogether. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. So what was entrusted to whoever it is, a person, was not many things. It was just a few things. Because we are looking at big, mega things and thinking on basis of that God will reward. God says no. It may be just a few things. But the simple question is, would you bring that aspect of God and learn it in your life to be faithful in those few things? Faithful in these few things. Because if God is anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. What is he? He is faithful. And is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So he is a rewarder. And what does he reward in heaven? He rewards faithfulness. He rewards faithfulness. Okay. Those who have understood the whole concept of ownership, lordship and faithfulness. Luke 16 and verse 10. The Lord, he who is faithful in what is least. 
And these are important things. Because, yes, Sirisha. Sirisha, right? Anjali. Anjali, yes, Anjali. Okay, you're yawning. That means you slept late yesterday. Okay? Because you're looking forward to the holiday. Okay. Faithful in what is? Okay. Each one of us in our own lives. Take an inventory of today. What is what you consider least today? In what you have to do. If you say greatest, everybody is faithful. That's not what God is saying. The little things, simple things. He who is faithful in what is least. See, you cannot be faithful in least and not be faithful in much. It's not possible. It's not possible. Because who is so particular of being faithful in the little things of God will be definitely be faithful in the big things. So God doesn't there begin there. He begins with the small things. The little things of life. The little, little, little things of life. And that's where it begins. He says, he is faithful in little things. See, we like this thing, Lord, when we are in trouble. Lord, I thank you for you, the God of Israel, neither sleeps nor slumbers. He always watches. The problem is, even when you're not in trouble, he's still watching. <laughs> that is when we get into trouble. Because he's watching. To see whom he can reward. Right? The Bible says, eyes of the Lord, Rome, Two and looking for one person. One person who is faithful in the little things. Little things. Think about that. Faithful in little things. And then in the next verse, he again brings faithful. Verse 11. This is a parable of the unjust steward. Remember, okay? Verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust of true riches? Right? Are you getting this picture? There was this parable of the unjust steward. This is a fellow, he was not just, he was unjust. But he was very, very shrewd. Very, very shrewd. Okay? When he realized his master was going to fire him, he called all the creditors and said, How many do you owe the master? They said, 10,000. He said, Take a bill, 5,000. How many do you? 8,000. Take a bill, 4,000. And he said, He said, You know what? Later, when I'm fired from my job, they don't know I'm going to get fired. Six months later, two months later, when I get fired and I need help, these people will help me. He says, the people of this world are very, very shrewd in things of money. They are very good investors. They know money is needed for life. They are very, 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 very careful. You start a business. A dental starts a business in Hyderabad. He's got a cap. He has made a budget. I need to invest 20 crores for starting a budget. But how does he fix his budget? He needs some money, seed money he needs. He'll fix it as 23 crores. 20 crores to start the business, 1 crore to BJP, 1 crore to TRS, 1 to Congress. Whichever wins, I will have favor. That's how they do. Smart fellows, that's why you see whichever government comes on the top, some companies are never affected. You need to ask why. It's because they are smart. God says, mammon in itself is righteousness. When you come to heaven, what can you say about how you used your money? 
what can you say about how you used your money? Were you faithful in advancing the interests of the honor of that money, of the kingdom in your life? What can you say about your money? He says, money is the currency which we all use for life. He says, were you smart like that businessman? He was a smart businessman. So he's already factored. There are only three parties in Andhra Telangana. Either TRS, BJP or Congress. These three will come. And I also get tax exemption if I give it to a political party. So he gave equally to three. So whichever one comes in, he is not worried at all because he has favor in these three places. God says, what about you when you come to heaven? Whom did you put your money in? Where did you put your money in? Did it further the in- your interest in the kingdom of heaven? When you stand before me. That's what he is talking about. You have not been faithful with unrighteous mammon. You knew you came with nothing. You are going with nothing. In between you have been given whatever you have been given. It's not the amount that has been given. The amount that has been given. Because another fellow is starting a company with 5 lakhs. He takes a loan of 7 lakhs. And he needs, he needs favor of the government. He will also, he won't give 1 crore each. He will give 1 lakh each. And he sees he also has favor. He may not give it at the big level. He will give it at the mandal level. But he also has favor. That is how this system works. So God is saying they are very, very shrewd. Yeah, he commanded the unjust steward. He says, you know, the, the children of this world are very, very smart. They know. But he says, you guys are very naive. You know why? Because you are not faithful with what God has given us and how you deal with the actual honor. Who is the actual honor? God is the actual honor. Everything that you have is God's. Everything that I have is God's. I don't own anything. But have I sent anything ahead so that when I stand there, will I have favor? Was I faithful with my life? Was I faithful with my resources? Was I faithful with the ability God gave me? Was I faithful with the time I gave me? What I was faithful, faithful, faithful. That's a key word in this entire thing. Was I faithful? I cannot be faithful unless I know who it is. It does not belong to Caesar. It belongs to God. You pay your taxes to Caesar, but you give your life to God. And that's what God is talking about. If you look at verse 8 and 9 of the same. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into everlasting home. When you fail, meaning when you die. When you fail, when you die, the life is gone. You are the money that you had. Here he is talking actually about money or influence or ability. Whatever it is you want to put it over there. It will receive you over there. Whatever you did with that is standing for you over there because you're very, very smart because you realize, you know what? Honor will one day come back. Or I will go to the honor and I will have to give accounts. And when I give accounts, this thing should stand there on my stead. Should speak for me. What does the Bible say? Make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. 
So Jesus will say, when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was hungry, you gave me something. I was naked, you closed me. And they say, Lord, when did you? They said, when you did this. So suddenly you realize, you know what? You had resources in your own capacity and you used it for the king and for the kingdom. And now when you are standing over there, these people are speaking on your behalf because then they realize you were part of God's kingdom. But we did not think about these things because when we worked and we made our money, we thought we owned the money without realizing we owned nothing. He owns everything. He owns everything. Get these pictures. Get these pictures very, very clear. And verse 12, the next verse. If we have not been faithful in his, what is another man's? So he brings another concept over there. He says, you know what? What you have is not yours. It belongs to another man. Right? That's how all we built. We all began as children, right? Did anybody begin as a father? No. Everybody began as children. Therefore, where you were born and you were somewhere, everything belonged to our parents. It belonged to another man. When you went to study, you went to an institution which belonged to another man. When you got your first job, you went to an office which belonged to another man. When everywhere God is looking, because we're very, some people are very good of taking care of their own stuff. But when they borrow, or it is given from the office, they're terrible stewards without realizing God is watching. God is watching. It is good to be careful about your own things. What about it is somebody else's things? Are you a good steward? Are you faithful? If you have not been faithful in what is another man's. You have to get these pictures cleared because this matters in eternity. Eternity. Okay, eternity. If you borrow somebody's vehicle, give it back in its original shape. Not that after you give it back, a person has to take it to the dentist because you gave it full of dents. A simple fundamental. You take somebody's, you drive it for five days and then give it with the petrol on fumes and there is no petrol left. But when he gave it to you, it was full tank. These are simple things which people forget. Gave it back empty. Who are you? Naomi. I went full, came back empty. <laughs> we think these things don't matter. Okay? These things don't matter. Why? God is watching. He says, you know what? And this guy does this regularly. Guy, you're a woman in different things. Okay, whatever you do, different things. You do this differently. And then you're crying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. He says, yeah, I know. I can fill you with the spirit. When you come up there, you will be empty. You would have emptied my spirit. Because I see you, how you do things. How can you fill you? That is also a spirit. 
How can I fail you? Because you are not faithful. You are not faithful in little things. How can I give you big things? Will you be faithful? Psalm 24 verse 1 and Psalm 115 verse 16. This is Sunday evening service for the rest of the world. Okay, So it's a holiday also for you. So don't make faces at me. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell there. Most of people are not even aware of it, but it belongs to him. The whole thing, everything in it, everybody in it belongs to him. He's the sole owner. Soul honor. Now, if you go to Psalm 115 and verse 16, there is an appendix to it. What is that? The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. He owns everything, but he is also temporarily, each to each lifetime, he has given us the earth. That means everyone who is born into this world is born into the life of two masters. You are one in the invisible God, the one in the visible earth, which you need to know your master. Because you need to be faithful to that one. You need to be faithful to this one. Joseph in his life had one master in heaven, God, and four masters on earth. He was faithful to his father. He was faithful to Potiphar. He was faithful to the prison warden. He was faithful to Pharaoh. You need to know if you do not know, you will not know who and how to be faithful. It matters. Because that is one man who was exalted by the time. One characteristic about him, all his four masters could say was that his father could say, this son is faithful to me. Potiphar could say, this servant is faithful to me. The prison warden could say, this prisoner will never escape. I never have to worry about him. He is faithful. And Pharaoh will say, except to the throne, everything is in your hands. And by his record, he will prove, you can trust me. I am faithful to what he has given me. So there is God. There is God. Because we like God. Because God is invisible. Therefore, we like him. Our problem is with the visible master. But God says, if any man says he loves God but does not love his brother, the love of God is not in him because the proof of this, he says, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Like you say hallelujah and kick your brother, God says, where is your love? <laughs> okay. You say, Lord, I submit you in everything and you don't submit to the one God has placed over you. God says, you know what? You got an issue. You have an issue. So the whole question there is a question of lordship and faithfulness. Lordship and faithfulness. So every man needs to know who is my master. That is God. And next, who is my master on earth? And like I said, we all begin as sons. Sons. Right? We all begin as sons. And every son also begins in his home as a servant. Father says, do this. Or today's generation, children are lords, parents are servants. It's a different generation altogether. But it was not that way for a long time in human history. It was not that way. Okay. You remember the story of Elisha's, that widow, whose husband had died? And what did the creditor come to? Ah, 
the sons were going to be taken as slaves. Why? So they belong to the father. The law said so. The law said so. The father was in debt. And if he had to get out of debt, he could sell his children for five years service and then redeem them. Six years service. Think about how God looks at ownership. Because he's a father and we are his servants. And he says, go, we go. Do this, we do this. The same concept he brought into the family. That's where it begins. That's where it begins. And we don't learn that at home. Never. We're going to struggle further and further and further and further we go. We will struggle. We will really struggle. Of course we have unjust parents. All those things can happen. But the principle does not change. Because it's a question of lordship. It's a question of ownership. Until you grow up and move out of the house. Right? If you, if you have doubts about what I said, look how God puts it across in terms of eternity in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2. 4, 1 and 2. I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. He is no different from the slave. The servant in the house. No different. Until the time appointed by the father. These are rules. Don't look into the world and try to don't. That's why the Bible says before you can receive the things of this world, do not conform to the pattern of the world. But let your minds be renewed according to the word of God. How is the kingdom of God structured over there? There is one honor, one Lord. The Bible says one Lord, one faith, one baptism. If you don't have one Lord, the rest of the ones have no meaning at all. It all begins with one Lord. One Lord. Then one baptism. One faith. Everything becomes one. But first it begins with one Lord. Once you have established the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then it does not matter how your master on earth is. Okay? Joseph's father or Potiphar or prison warden or Pharaoh were not very cautious men. One was a Jew, three were Gentiles. One was a Jew, three were Gentiles. But you look at him. He was always faithful to God. And he was always faithful to them. As long as they did not ask him to be unfaithful to his God, he was faithful to them. These are fundamental principles, even with David or with Daniel. The peep, young people got exalted in his kingdom. If you look at all of them, and if you look at them, they all served hostile masters or Gentile masters. David, of course, had a very hostile master who wanted his life. But you know what? You know what? He says to Saul, and the captains of the army tell us about David to Saul, he's faithful. He's very faithful. Why do you want to kill him? He's faithful. His, his faithfulness cannot be, cannot be questioned. And faithfulness is the very part of the character of God. If you turn to First Peter chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him. See, one of the first things Sarah established in her life is, who is my Lord on earth? I'm in heaven. God. 
These two things were established in Sarah's life, not Rebecca's life, not Rachel's life. Therefore, it didn't matter when Sarah got into trouble because of Abraham, because the Lordship was established. The hand of God covered her, protected her, and brought her out. You know why? Because she was faithful to her Lord, both in heaven and on earth. Because she understood this fundamental principle of Lordship. God is my Lord. My husband is my Lord. And she was faithful. And the husband was often wrong. But because these two were for now. They are living in a time before the law was given. So now when the law is given, we have even more clearer parameters about what Lordship is. Because then the law was not given. Now I'm not saying that today if Abraham, your husband, tries to do what Sarah is trying to do, try to sell you to protect your money, you don't say no. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5.22, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. And the laws governing humanity, principles, the kingdom of God is much more clearer. But when Abraham is still living, there's not. What is the law? It's the law of man. The law of the husband is the law. There are nothing else written. And she goes by it. Today it is different. Much more clear laws have been given. Much more clear. But the principle does not change. Principle does not change. The principle remains the same. Once you have established lordship, then you know what faithfulness is. Because otherwise, who are you faithful to? What are you faithful to? First, I am faithful to God. Two, I am faithful to what? The principles by which he operates, his kingdom operates. So you know the who and you know the what. The where is irrelevant. Whether I am in my father's house in Canaan, whether I am in Potiphar's palace, whether I am sitting in prison or roaming the country for Pharaoh's sake, I am faithful. Where is irrelevant now? The Only the who and the what matters. So you could take a person like that and put him anywhere. He's faithful. Because he knows the who and he knows the what. The what. Final four verses and we shall finish. Hebrews 6 verses 10 to 12, Galatians 6, 9 and 10. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown towards his name. In that you have ministered to the saints and do ministers. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Yeah, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household. What is the whole concept in both? He says, you know what? The master will delay. The honor may come after a long time. Don't stop being faithful to the things which you have been called to. Do not grow weary. He will come. When he will come, we do not know. That he will come is 100% sure. He will definitely come. And when he comes, he brings his rewards with him. He will reward those who have diligently sought him. But he says, don't grow weary. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. We may not see him coming in our lifetime. Or we may be the generation that welcomes him. Every generation before us was waiting for his coming. The last two scriptures. Hebrews 11, 13 to 15 and Hebrews 11, 35 to 39. 
Hebrews 11. This all died in faith, not having received the promises. Not having, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's another verse. You know what? They all died in faith. What was promised to them? Did they receive on life? No. But till their death, they remained faithful. Till they died, they were faithful. They didn't receive anything on earth. And they confessed, we are strangers and pilgrims on earth. They lived those lives they were called to and they remained faithful till the end. This all died in faith. That's what Paul means, I have kept my faith, meaning I have remained faithful to what God called me. Till my end, I have remained faithful. And they remained faithful. There were many promises. Did they receive the promises? No. But did they change their faithfulness? No. Look, there's a reward that is promised. If you are promised a reward, oh, no children, if they are promised a reward, they will study through the night if you are given. Okay? Definitely next holiday, I'm taking you for this movie, first show, first row. They will, the reward has been promised. So many rewards have been promised. But if you don't receive it in this lifetime, the question is, will you remain faithful? The same thing how the chapter ends, verse 35 onwards. Right? 35 onwards. Women received their dead raised to life. Okay, from there it changes. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Then, still others had the trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn into, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts, mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the... But were they faithful? They did not receive a promise in this life. Verse 40. Why? Because God having provided something better for us, they should not be made perfect apart from us. He says, I will wait till the end of time and everybody's time is over. Then each one will be judged according to their faithfulness. Everyone. Some received here. Most does not, does not receive here. But one thing that has been tested in everybody's life is this. Whether you have been exalted like Joseph to the throne, or you have been brought down from the throne to wander for 40, 80 years in the desert like Moses. One was on the throne, brought down, wandered for 80 years. Other was in the prison and a slave and exalted to the throne. Both of them, one thing was tested. Whether you are on the throne or out of the throne, will you be faithful to what you have been called? Get this picture very, very clearly. Because you know what? God will Judge us based on our faithfulness. Faithfulness. Because when we are sitting here, and why we are sitting here? Philippians 1 6. You know that verse? And 1 Thessalonians 5 23 24. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun uh, begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question Where does your confidence come from? Very confident, Paul says. Why? May the God of peace, yeah, yeah, the next verse, yeah, himself sanctify you completely. May your whole body, spirit, soul, and soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? He who calls you is 
faithful. Who also will do it. The one who called us is faithful. Okay? So, God expects us to be faithful and we can count him to be faithful. That if we are faithful, he will be faithful to complete the work that he has begun in us so that when we reach on the other side, we will not miss our reward. Because there are millions and millions and millions of soul waiting. Waiting for the full quota to come in so that they can receive their rewards. And when we receive our reward, what is the primary criteria? Well done, good and faithful. You are faithful in a few things. Few things. Okay, you are faithful. Actually, if you look at that parable, one was given five, another was given two, one was given one. Actually, who was it easiest? The one who had one. Now that stupid fellow, he did and lost everything. Think about it. Okay? To whom much responsibility is given on earth, one responsibility. Who is it easier when the criteria of judgment is that just be faithful? Right? Think about that. In the church, for whom is it easy? For Sami or for the rest of you? Rest of you. Sami has to do practically everything. And so he gets shouted at by me most. Most of you don't even hear my voice. He gets shouted for everything. Sami sound is on Sami, this is Sami, you have not uploaded Sami, 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 Sami. Every day we are calling Sami, Sami, Sami. Why? To him, much has been given. Your lives are so easy. Because if I were to ask you, I would may ask you one thing or nothing. In his case, it's almost everything. So you see, the one who has one thing, life is actually very easy for that person. But the simple question is with that one thing. Don't be like that fellow. He was a very stupid fellow. He hid it. The Lord said, you are evil, wicked and a lazy fellow. Wicked and lazy fellow. And he says, take it from him. And give it to whom? One with five. Not the one with two. Five. Because he with five had to battle more challenges than two to make it into ten. He had to handle more pressure. So he said, give it to him. And they said, is it not that fair? He said to him, much is given, even more will be given who comes out with faithfulness. Okay? Get these pictures. Get this. October the 24th. Lord, make me faithful as you are faithful. Yes, it's a very comforting verse. Even when we are unfaithful, he's still faithful. The reason is because he's faithful, he cannot deny himself. But like I said, no, don't take comfort in these things alone. We should go beyond that. You Lord, I want to be faithful as you are faithful. Because God looks at Moses and he says, there was none like him faithful in my entire house. When his elder sister and brother turn against him, God says, how dare you speak against him? Do you know how faithful he is? And they did not. See, the whole of Israel the leadership, 250 people and his brothers did not realize how faithful Moses was. So people may not even understand your faithfulness towards God. It does not matter. We want God to vindicate us on the day of trouble. On the day of trouble, evil comes, you know. God has to step forward and says, don't touch him. Don't touch her. You have no clue in their walk with me how faithful they are to me. They will go into the fire. They will go into the lion's den because they have decided I'll be faithful. I know who owns me. I know my Lord. 
I know my master. That's why God says in Isaiah, how does it begin? How does it begin? Let me read it for you. How does the book of Isaiah begin? It's a very interesting book. No? That is where we have the Christmas story and all. No? Otherwise, where will we get this Christmas story? Hmm? Isaiah. Chapter 1. Verse 3. Or if you want to read 2 and 3. The ox knows its honor. The donkey knows its master. But Israel does not. The ox knows its honor. The donkey knows its master. Does the ox know? Oh, when you take the ox to plow your field, the ox says, how dare you do this to me? I want my civil rights. Does it say how can you make me work for nine hours? You don't know the law says only eight hours. That's the donkey. The, the donkey you put in as much as he can carry, you can put it on a poor fellow flocks on. Why? Because the ox knows it's all. The donkey knows it's master. But God says, Israel does not know his honor or who his master is. A simple question God is asking. Do we know? My people do not consider. <laughs> he says, my people don't consider. When you wake up in the morning, do we consider? Is this cross our mind? Who is my Like I said, everybody woke up late today because it's holiday. Because you thought you were your owner of time. But God saw that the sun rose exactly at the same time. Oh, they are all sleeping late. Sun, you also rise late. Did he say that? He didn't say that. You have to make these choices early in life, children. Make these choices, you know. I know my honor. I know my master. I know my father. I know my Lord. I'm a son and I'm a servant. What is the equation? Son plus servant is equal to steward. I'm a steward of the mysteries of God. And it is required from a steward to be faithful. Life is a mystery. Only on the other side, we'll actually understand what life was. Life is a mystery. He has entrusted us the mysteries of life. And I want to be a faithful steward, O oh Lord. Let's have Peter.